Welcome to the Strand Baptist Church podcast. New episodes will be made available every weekday for the full duration of the lockdown here in South Africa. For more information, please visit our website at www.strandbaptist.org.za. Thank you for joining us and welcome. So today we delve into the fourth century. Now we delve into a very interesting time within the life of the church. You might call it the beginning of the Christian empire. The 4th century began with a storm of persecution from without and a time of decay within. And this persecution from without came from the Roman emperor Diocletian. He sought to restore stability and peace and power to the Roman Empire. And he was convinced that peace must involve a renewed commitment to the gods of ancient Rome. The Diocletian was determined. He was set on destroying anything that stood in his way, particularly the Christian church. He sought to destroy places where Christians met, the Christian scriptures, the Christian leaders and Christians in general. Diocletian launched an empire-wide persecution. And yet, by God's grace, Christians stood firm in the face of such opposition. And at the same time, some Christians were disturbed by an increasing sense of ease and comfort within the church. Standards of Christian living fell, as many professed the faith but did not walk in accordance with it. Now, the response of some Christians was to retreat from the temptations of the world and to go into the desert to live solitary lives of prayer, contemplation, and self-denial. These early monastics, despite all of their self-discipline, should remind us that Christ has not called us to separate from the world, but Christ has called us to be witnesses in it. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. Now, both of these influence, influences, excuse me, an emperor being uh, set on destroying the faith and Christians fed up with the culture, not taking the faith seriously enough, had the potential to destroy the church, at least the witness of the church. Now, at least three significant events took place in the fourth century. The first was the conversion of the ever controversial Constantine. After the famous battle of Melvian Bridge in 312, he claimed to have seen a vision of the Cairo symbol, a monogram using the first two Greek letters in the title Christ, and he heard a voice say, In the sign, conquer. Consequently, when he won the battle, he attributed his victory to Jesus Christ. Immediately, he began to relax laws against Christians. Believers were now free to worship Christ without fear of persecution. A second major event was the Council of Nicaea in 325. If you like to remember dates, this is an important date to remember. 325. This council helped clarify what it means for Jesus to be both God and man. An early 4th century church leader named Arius claimed that Jesus was really a being created by God the Father, when he said, There was a time when the Son was not. This is what we call Arianism. 
Now, Arius faced fierce opposition in the 4th century theologian Athanasius, who argued that the New Testament taught that Christ was the God-man, and that Christ was never created. Thanks to Athanasius, among others, the doctrinal formula produced by the Council of Nicaea, the Nicene Creed, grounded the church in the New Testament view of the person and the work of Christ. If you have never read the Nicene Creed, I encourage you to look it up online. It's free. It is one of the most beautiful and doctrinally pure statements you'll ever read on the person of Jesus Christ. Now, the third great event in the 4th century was the conversion of Augustine of Hippo, or as some call him, St. Augustine. He was a man of great intelligence, and his life is documented in his confessions. And after a long career in what he calls the pleasures of sin, he was converted to Christianity when under deep conviction of sin, he heard a child's voice say, Take up and read! And he saw an uh, open copy of Paul's epistle nearby. He took up the book and read the first passage on which his eyes fell. Romans chapter 13 verse 14. He felt as if God was speaking directly to him. Augustine did exactly what the text said. He put on the Lord Jesus Christ by faith. Receiving and resting upon him for salvation. And he was baptized in 387. Now, Augustine's theological legacy cannot be exaggerated, particularly for Protestant and even more particularly for Reformed Christians. He was a great and influential Christian thinker, one of the great minds given to the church. Yet, had it not been for the influence of his mentor Ambrose, the prayer life of his mother Monica, and the convicting words of Scripture, we might never have known him. Such is the grace, the power, and the providence of God. I trust that this was informative and hopefully encouraging as well. God bless. Mm-hmm.